Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. What happens oftentimes in the trial, in the furnace of affliction, is the things that bind you are now loosed. There may be things that have debilitated you spiritually, things that you struggled with for years or decades, but in that fiery trial, a transformation takes place and you're freed. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives so we can be our hands and When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were bound together and thrown into the fiery furnace, Scripture reveals that they were supernaturally protected from the flames and that their ties were loosened so that they could walk freely in the furnace. Pastor Ed teaches us today through a powerful message in Daniel chapter 3 that the Lord sends trials our way to help us overcome our struggles. The fiery trials of life demonstrate God's faithfulness to sustain us. They also prove His ability to set us free from the ties that bind. Now here's Pastor Ed with part two of today's message entitled, God is Able. Don't you think that God could have spoke to Nebuchadnezzar in a dream again? I mean, he could have given him one good nightmare. And the next day Nebuchadnezzar could have said, it's okay, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The Bible says that The heart of the king is in the hand of God. The king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. He guides it wherever he pleases. So our heart, the king's heart, the leader's heart, are in his hands. That's the verse. God can absolutely change people's hearts. I've seen it happen. I've watched it happen where a person said they're set against something and then you go to prayer and then their hearts are completely changed. So in this race that we're running, God's going to keep you from certain trials that other people go through. So don't judge them too quickly. You may not be tempted in the same way they are to make an idol out of your job or an idol out of your career or an idol out of your children, or an idol out of your spouse. Maybe that's their battle, but that's not your battle. God may give you favor with the people you work with, even though they may not be godly people. So God can keep us from trials, and he did like he did for Daniel. Now, Daniel is going to have his own set of trials. They're coming. But God is also able to deliver the faithful through through the fiery trial. Look at verses 17 and 18. They said, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Now, notice this. They're not flippant. They're not disrespectful. They're not, they don't have an attitude. But there's a humility that they have. And they just put that all before God. And, and, they, and they speak respectfully to the king. 
What happens in the trial? Now, Daniel's not in the crowd, and Daniel's just a born leader. It's these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But God's going to develop them in that trial. Notice it says in verses 16 to 18, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. What's happening? There's courage. There's character. Courage and character is developed in the midst of testing. It's developed in the midst of trial. It's developed in the midst of places where you have to make a decision. And that decision has consequence to it. They didn't know the end of the story. They didn't know what would happen tomorrow. But they made a decision. We're going to serve God. We're not going to bow down. So God's doing something in us in the midst of the trial. But there's something else happening. I want you to see this. That God is not only developing us, but he's transforming us. He's transforming us. Again, in verses 22 to 25, just reading the last part of verse 25, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. King James says, the son of God. Nebuchadnezzar makes that furnace as hot as he can. The soldiers bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in ropes and in their garments. The soldiers go to the furnace, and there they put and drop the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace, and they're burnt up. The furnace is so hot. The flames come out. The heat comes out, and they're consumed. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're walking around, and who are they walking with? When you go through... The trials, because of faithfulness, when you go through the difficulties because you've decided to serve the Lord, when you go through the times of real difficulty and you're there because you said no to sin and you said yes to God, you said no to the world and you said yes to heaven, you're not alone. You're not alone. Now, could you imagine Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They're looking at each other. They're not being burned or consumed. The fire is burning all around them. The only thing that they feel being consumed and burning up were the ropes that held them. Their clothes aren't touched. Their hats aren't touched. And they feel all of a sudden those things that bound them, they're free from. What happens oftentimes in the trial, in the furnace of affliction, is the things that bind you are now loosed. There may be things that have debilitated you spiritually, things that you struggled with for years or decades, but in that fiery trial... A transformation takes place, and you're freed. There they are, walking in the midst of that flame, walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe it's a theophany. There's never a time that you probably experience the power and the presence of God as when you're in the midst of a trial and Jesus shows up. 
And there they are. God's doing something with them. Now, this is actually a picture, a metaphor of what God did for the whole nation. Because if you look at Isaiah chapter 43, if we could put Isaiah chapter 43 up, look at the text. This is Isaiah, and it's a prophecy that Isaiah gives about the future when the Jewish people are going to be in captivity. He says, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. Now, notice that. Created you, O Jacob, formed you, O Israel. That's the same person. Jacob means surplanter, deceiver. You wouldn't want to enter a business deal with Jacob. You're going to come out on the short end of the stick, for sure. I mean, he knows how all the loopholes and the contract. Jacob was known for his deception. He was known as somebody that's going to get it over on his partner. Well, what happened to Jacob when he was at Jabbok? That's in Genesis chapter 3. 32, he meets the angel of the Lord and he begins to wrestle with the angel of the Lord and suddenly he realizes he can't do very much. He's just hanging on. And the angel of the Lord touches his thigh and Jacob starts walking out with a limp and Jacob, his name is changed. Your name is Israel. You're a prince with God. You're a prince with men. There's a change in Jacob's life. No longer a thief, a stealer, deception. He has to come clean. And now he has to deal with Esau, his brother. And he's ready to deal with Esau, his brother. See, what? Ha- now, where does it happen? Look at the text. Jacob is in a fiery trial, wrestling with the angel of the Lord. He's about to meet Esau, and he doesn't know if Esau is going to take his life. He doesn't know what's ahead of him, and he just wants a blessing from God. And God's wrestling with him, and he's wrestling with God, and God just changes him. and says, now you're changed. That's what happens in that fiery trial. When you go through something, and you just feel like, oh, Lord... I can't take it one more moment. And you get on your knees and you cry out with all your heart. When you get to the place and your only resources is God and God alone and you really start leaning on him like he asks you to lean on him and trust him and you put your confidence in him, he does something deep, permanent, lasting, and real. And watch what this text says. Fear not, I have redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. See, what God is doing is he's taking Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're not going to bow to the idols. They're not going to save their own lives. They're willing to sacrifice themselves. And they're going through that fiery furnace, but they're not going to be burned. Israel's going to go through a fiery furnace of captivity and trial, and their lives are going to be changed. Because when Israel comes out of captivity 70 years later, and the Jews come back, they're no longer... With polytheism, the worship of many gods. They would monotheism, the worship of one true God. When you come out of that trial because you're endeavoring to be faithful, because you're saying, Lord, I don't want to bow to that God of money, 
mammon. I don't want to bow to that God of lust. God, I don't want to bow to that God of greed. I don't want to bow to that God of pride or fame. I'm not going to make a good thing into a bad thing or take a bad thing and just go the way of the world. What happens is God allows you to be tested and tried and refined. And that's what's happening here. Now, God can keep you from a trial. He can perfect you through a trial. Maybe it's a physical trial. Maybe you're dealing with some real physical problem. Maybe it's an emotional problem. Maybe it's a financial problem. Whatever it may be, allow God to refine you. But I want you to note something else. God is able to deliver the faithful by the fiery trial. Listen to what the text says. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. This is so important. Here's what's happening. They recognize, all right, God, if you don't deliver us, we're still going to serve you. The story we're reading is not the rule, but the exception. Let me say that once again. The deliverance we're reading is not the rule, but the exception. Look at your history. How many people have been sent to the flames and died as a martyr? The majority of them have been consumed by that fire. How many people in North Korea, in Iraq, and in the Middle East are being executed, and yet God doesn't deliver them? Uh, Look at church history. Think of John Huss in the flames. Think of others at the stake. Their bodies consumed. They're burned. They're dying. Here is an important truth. Sometimes a person gets cancer and we pray for that person and that lump disappears and they're healed or that malignancy is gone. Sometimes they go through it. And as they go through it, God uses it to refine them and uses it to cause them to grow close to him. But sometimes it consumes them and they pass away. But... I like what Beth Moore says. The trial by fire brings you into the arms of Jesus. Here's what Brian Chappell said, and it's so, so important. Biblical faith is not confidence in the particular outcomes. It's confidence in the sovereign God. God is able, but if he doesn't. God is able, but if he doesn't. I will trust him. I will obey him. I will follow him. So some of you pray about the circumstances at your job and the job just doesn't change. Don't become bitter. Don't become angry. Some of you have asked God again and again, like Paul has, for some deliverance from a thorn in the flesh, and it hasn't. Just... Know that his grace is sufficient and his strength, his power is made perfect in your weakness. 
Our faith at times enables us just simply to surrender to God and not to the bow to the circumstances. They were pressured to just, they could have thought about, Shadrach could have said to Meshach, what about the new child that you have in your family? And, and they could have been going back and forth thinking about their families, thinking about all sorts of circumstances, but they didn't. They put everything in the Lord's hands. John Wesley, this debate whether he believed in what we call entire sanctification. I think it sometimes he did in reading some of his writings. Those in the Wesley movement, the Methodist movement, early on believed that a person could reach a state of perfection where they don't sin anymore. John Wesley, according to his writings, said this, when a person comes very close to death in their last days and hours, he often felt they reached that final state of perfection. Now, I think there's something to what he was saying. Oftentimes, when a person is at the door of death, suddenly they begin to look at life differently. You know, all the things that they maybe once treasured, they don't treasure as much. My house, the car, the 401, the 403. They don't value the same things they did before. And when you get into that fiery trial, when you're at that door ready to pass from this world to the next world, you see this world very differently. And that's what I believe happens in, in, in those moments when God takes a person in those last moments of their life. Sometimes the trial is short, sometimes it's long, Whatever it may be, all of us have to die sometime, right? I mean, unless the rapture comes. All of us are going to leave this world. I mean, we could leave different ways. I mean, you could be in a nursing home leaving that way. <laughs> uh, you could be at home. You're going to leave eventually. God uses those who are suffering to teach us an incredible, valuable lesson. I want to read to you passages of Scripture in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 35. He says, Others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. They were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. And others were killed with a sword. What happens when we see and we hear about our brothers and sisters in Christ being persecuted around the world, it should help us to recalibrate our lives with God. I was watching 60 Minutes a while ago, and they had about the persecuted Christians in Iraq and all of the persecuted Christians that were actually many of them being killed, losing all that they have. And during that, I just simply prayed. Prayed for them. I prayed for myself. It helps you to think clearly. Here's what the book of Hebrews counsels us. Don't forget about those in prison. Suffer with them as though you were there yourself. Share the sorrow of those being mistreated as though you feel their pain in your own bodies. One of the websites 
that tracks the persecuted church so that every five minutes, every five minutes, a Christian dies because of his faith, is martyred. Another website said that, I believe it was 214 churches or Christian properties every month are either compensated or damaged because of persecution. Our brothers and sisters in Christ are suffering. In Revelation, the church of Smyrna, Jesus spoke to it. It was his epistle to the church of Smyrna. He says, I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they are not, because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for ten days. That means a period of time. But if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you a crown of life. God allowed the church of Smyrna to suffer incredible sufferings, persecution, Now, the other churches didn't necessarily suffer that way. We could come into this house of worship and feel free to worship. In our country, we can open the Bible and publicly read it and not feel that somehow we're going to be cast into a prison. We have incredible freedoms. But in other parts of the world, it's not like that. There is a sovereign God who has allowed what he has allowed for reasons that will not fully understand. Nebuchadnezzar could have had that nightmare and he would have never, ever said what he said to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but God allowed it. The world leaders could go to sleep at night and not wake up in the morning if God just says, that's it. God gives power, we know that, and God allows men to rule and to reign. He lifts up some and he takes down others. It's the hand of God. See, there's a bigger picture than simply everything that we're going through in this present world. It's a bigger picture than just the moment. There's an eternal picture that we have to see. Our lives are more than just the moment of breath that we presently have. There is an eternal play, an eternal event, an eternal drama between good and evil going on. And we're a part of it. Jim Elliott, the missionary who gave his life, said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Again and again, the enemy of your soul is asking you to compromise as the spirit of Babylon invades the West. Again and again, you're tempted to trade off your spirituality and your relationship with God for maybe a car, for maybe a a career, for maybe something really good that you just lift too high and it runs a close second to God for maybe giving over to some evil thoughts or feelings or emotions and making that an idol. An idol is anything that interferes with your relationship with God that runs a close second to Him. John the Apostle wrote, Dear children, 
keep yourself from idols. Well, that's all the time we have for today's edition of Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. There's more to come from Pastor Ed's series in the book of Daniel. We encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and select today's date from the Building in Faith media player. Again, that's buildinginfaithradio.com. Maybe today's message brought a family member or friend to mind. You can share today's message via Facebook and Twitter by simply logging on to buildinginfaithradio.com and clicking on today's date. There, you'll find all the options to share. Now, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. We invite you to join Pastor Ed as he continues teaching through the Word of God right here on Building in Faith. Your Word Restore